Good morning, guys. Um, Man, thanks for that introduction. Um, Okay, so as Sean said, uh, my name is Seth, my lovely wife, JJ. Um, We we help in the college and young adults class uh, in Kaya. I'm one of the teaching elders here at Midtown. And uh, this morning we are going to be in Psalm 88. Sounds like you guys have been going through the Moschiel Psalms this year. Um, I don't know how you guys have been pronouncing it, but that's how I have pronounced Okay, good. Okay, so um, as I pull my notes up, I, I love the book of Psalms. I think if from like a practical standpoint at least, Psalms might be my favorite book of the Bible. Um, I was talking to a co-worker uh, who's a believer a while back. She was kind of asking me, you know, what my favorite book of the Bible was, and uh, she, her answer was uh, Proverbs, and when I told her that mine is Psalms, she was like, oh man, I, I don't really like the Psalms. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, as a millennial, uh, having emotional problems, like, Psalms is amazing, you know? You get, you get to see the whole spectrum of, of human emotions in the book of Psalms, and it's really great. That being said, Psalm 88 is really interesting, because from my knowledge, there are only like two Psalms uh, in all of the 150 that don't really kind of end on a high note, you know? And Psalm 88 is one of them. So I've been going over this psalm. I've known I was going to preach this for a few weeks now, and uh, yeah, I just kept going over it. I was like, I don't, man, I don't know what to do with this. This is an interesting psalm. But through just reading and meditating and, and trusting God to, to give me a message from here, we're going to be looking at a cry of confidence. And, uh, and it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a very interesting passage. So let's, let's go ahead and read it together. And I think you'll kind of see what I'm saying here. So Psalm 88, a song or psalm for the sons of Korah to the chief musician upon Maaleth, Leonoth, Maskil of Heman the Ezrahite. Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength, free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Selah. Thou hast put away mine acquaintances far from me, Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Selah. Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave, or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark? and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness. But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. 
Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily like water. They compassed me about together. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me, and mine acquaintance into darkness. Joy, right? Like, man, this is a, it's a dark psalm. Um, he's going through some stuff. But um, let's, let's dig into it, because God has something for us here. So let's look at the context of this psalm. So the audience is the sons of Korah are to sing this song. Uh, and then Israel is to hear this song, okay? And then the author is uh, Heman the Ezraite, okay? I really wanted to put a, a picture of, like, He-Man, you know, Masters of the Universe in here. Um, figured that'd be a bit distracting. Uh, um, so there's a few different uh, Hemans in Scripture. I thought Matthew Henry kind of helped... Um, summarize this. He says of Psalm 88 of Heman, it should seem by the titles of this and the following Psalm that Heman was the penman of the one and Ethan of the other. There were two of these names who were sons of Zerah, the son of Judah. Um, there were two others famed for wisdom, where to magnify Solomon's wisdom, he is said to be wiser than Heman and Ethan. Whether the Heman and Ethan, who were Levites and precentors in the songs of Zion, were the same, we are not sure, nor which of these, nor whether any of these were the penmen of these psalms. There was a Heman uh, that was one of the chief singers, who is called the king's seer, or prophet, in the words of God. And that's in 1 Chronicles 25. It is pro uh, probable that this also was a seer, and yet could see no comfort for himself, an instructor and comforter of others, and yet himself putting comfort away from him. So, um, this is, this is kind of where we're at. Now, Moskil, uh, a Moskil psalm, as I'm sure you guys have kind of learned through going through these, is a, an instructive psalm. That's what the word Moskil means, is instructive. It's a didactic poem. And we can think of this as a, a song of instruction. And so this psalm was written to teach us something very specifically through contemplation. Okay, and that's exactly what God did in my life as I contemplated this psalm. It's a very heavy psalm, but as I, as I just thought on it and prayed over it, man, God really taught me a lot. And, uh, and how, what God showed me in this, if you want to hit the next slide is that this psalm is chiastic in its structure, and so it, it goes A, B, C, B, A. Right? And it's very common in Hebrew poetry. But what you see at that, the center there is kind of the, the crux or the thesis of the message. And so amidst this cry and complaint and these questionings, we actually see that the psalmist is pointing us that amidst our affliction, amidst our suffering, we are to put our confidence in God. And so with that, um, man, I'm not sure what you're going through today, but I believe strongly that, that we all need this exact same confidence. 
And so let's pray that God would open our eyes to his word and, man, give us that confidence. Heavenly Father, we come to you and, Lord, we're really bad at trusting you in the midst of hard seasons. Um, And yet, God, that's exactly what we need. And, And so that's what we're asking for this morning. God, I pray that if there are any here today that that don't know you, um, Lord, that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Lord, if there are, are any that are, man, going through a hard season, that you would um, encourage them. Lord, we need your grace. Uh, I pray that you'd set me aside and, and just speak through me by your Spirit. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's look at verses 1 through 9. So we see uh, in verses 1 through 2 specifically, um, he says, O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry. So in this we see the psalmist's plea. Okay, and this plea is one that is in faith. If you want to go to the next slide, he says, O God of my salvation. So the psalmist's trust was in God as his deliverer, right? The one that's going to bring him out of this trial is God alone. And and we need to have this same faith, right? Um, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. James 1.6 says that, man, when we pray, we are to ask in faith. So it's in faith, but his, his plea is also frequent, He says that he cried day and night. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, how consistent are we in our prayers over the things we struggle with? Do we cry day and night for deliverance from the sin that so easily besets us? And this is exactly what Jesus taught in Luke 18. Right There's this widow that keeps going before uh, the judge in her city. And... uh, And it's just because she kept coming, you know, that this wicked man granted her what she desired, right? And and God says, how much more will God answer our prayers, right? The, The ones that he loves. So it was in faith, it was frequent, but it was also fervent. He was bold to let God know he had great need. And we see Jesus's other teaching on this in Luke 11, Luke has a lot to uh, say about prayer from Jesus' teachings, right? So uh, Jesus talks about a friend waking up in the middle of the night uh, and knocking on his neighbor's door uh, for, for some bread, right, some, uh, some flour. And the, the guy only gets up because he's, he's in great need, right? And, and that, that needs to be us. We need to pray with some fervency, James 5.16 says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So our plea to God needs to be in faith, it needs to be frequent, and it needs to be fervent. And I would say that's especially true in times of trial, in times of affliction. So that is the psalmist's plea. And then in verses 3 through 9, we see his plight. He says, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. 
I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength. Free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves, Selah. Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. And so the psalmist's plight. So uh, he starts out in verses 3 through 7. His soul is full of troubles. His soul is full of troubles. And if you want to go to the next slide, Proverbs 27, verse 7, says that the full soul loatheth an honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. And so our souls can be filled with all kinds of different things, right? We can, we can fill our souls with entertainment. We can fill our souls with, you know, hopefully the Word of God, uh, it's so easy to fill our souls with just the cares of this world. But if there's one thing in particular that is really easy to be consumed by, it's our own struggles. Right? The things that afflict us, the, uh, man, the depression, anxiety, like the things that, that we're prone to emotionally, they can just consume us. We can fill our soul with it and think about it all day. Think about how sad I am or how angry I am at someone and we can, we can just fill ourselves with that. But in verses 8 through 9, uh, the psalmist is not only full of troubles, but he's far from others. So, I don't know if you guys have seen this in your own life, but man, times of trial, uh, they mostly take place in seasons of isolation. So, when I was a kid, I, I went to my sister's basketball game uh, with my family, and I was... I had to have been really young, like seven or eight or something. And I was playing with the other little brothers. We were playing hide-and-seek in this elementary school gym. And I found the perfect hiding spot. There, was a, uh, there were these temporary wall panels you know, that they put up to kind of divide the gym for different things. But they were leaned up against a wall. And I, I hid in the, in the crevice right, between the the panels and the wall, but in kind of like wiggling myself in there, and it was a great hiding spot, Uh, but in wiggling myself in there, I bumped it just a little bit, and as I was hiding, I started to notice the panels were slowly falling down the wall, like, it was like a horror movie, (laughs) but what made it worse is I looked up, And the reason those had been put there is that all of the light switches on the wall were right there, and they were all faced up. And so if these were going to fall down, they were going to turn the lights off in the entire gymnasium. And so it's such a good hiding spot that I'm, I'm completely alone. And so I start, like, crying for help, and no one can hear me. And so, you know, I, I, it was so long ago, I don't remember. But you know what I imagine I was doing? I was crying out to God in that, in that short moment. I was like, God, please, 
please don't let me be the person that turns the lights off in the gym. And sure enough, uh, I have to, because it weighs a lot, I crawl out just in time for them to like, and it made a huge noise, and the gym went black in the middle of this basketball game. And so, uh, man, that's, it's silly, but it's a good picture for us, right? The reason we, we go through seasons of isolation uh, to face trial is it puts us in a situation where we, we have to trust God, right? Jesus was led into the desert to be tried by Satan. You see that in Matthew 4. Job was with his, his friends and yet incredibly alone in his time of trial. Job says in uh, Job 19, 13 through 19, He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are very, uh, verily estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. He called my servant, and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for the children's sake of mine own body. Yea, young children despised me. I arose, and they spake against me. All my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. And yet, despite being alone and full of trouble, the psalmist in Psalm 88 still cries out to God. And so key point number one, affliction should drive us to frequent and fervent prayer. Affliction should drive us to frequent and fervent prayer. You know, I love this. One of the other Moscow Psalms, Psalm 42, verse 4, says, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. And that's exactly what we need to do when our soul is full of trouble. We need to pour it out before God. Our complaint needs to reach God's throne in honor and humility. But we've got to get what's in our heart out. We've got to get it to the Lord. So next, we, we move from the, the cry, the complaint, uh, to questions in verses 10 through 12. He says, Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Selah. Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark? And thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? So, uh, you know, the psalmist is asking these rhetorical questions, right? So, what, what do you guys think is the answer to all of these questions. Like, why is, why is he asking these? What do you guys think? What's the answer to, oh, it's, there, it's right there. It's no, right? <laughs> so, uh, no, it's, it's a resounding no. So these questions are all variations of the same idea in Psalm 115, verse 17. It says, the dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. So the psalmist, he's asking all these rhetorical questions like, man, God, are, are you going to show wonders to the dead? Like, 
do the dead arise and praise you? No, of course not. Like your loving kindness couldn't possibly be declared in the grave. So these answers, uh, you, you know, the answer to these questions evoke a resounding no that give this implied plea to God for deliverance. Right? Like, man, God, I know that the dead can't praise you. So don't, don't leave me here. Don't leave me here. So key point two, affliction should drive us to ask hard questions. We need to ask hard questions to ourself. Because um, really, I mean, the psalmist, he's, this is directed at God, but really he's, he's asking these questions for his own benefit. And we see this in, in Psalm 77. You know, he, he says, Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Man, I love this. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, you know what, this, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And there's something really powerful about asking ourselves hard questions. And we see in James 1, you know, it, it teaches about trial in, in the life of the believer. And one of the things that trial does is make us realize that we have lack. And then James says in verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Right? And so when we go through trials, so often the question that we're tempted to ask is, God, why me? God, why? Like, why is this happening? But what James 1 teaches us is that the question we need to be asking is, God, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me in this season? And so we go from this cry, this complaint, into questioning, and now we, we finally arrive at verse 13, and we see the psalmist's confidence in the Lord. He says, But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. And that word prevent, you can think of that, it's King, King James English for pre-event, right? My prayer shall come before you. God, I've cried to you. You hear prayer. And in the morning, my prayer is going to come before you. So man, despite this resounding no, the psalmist trusts God for the impossible, to bring him out of despair, to bring him out of the pit, to bring him out of the grave, right? This, this affliction that he's in, God, he's trusting God to bring him out. So key point three, affliction should drive us to place our confidence in God. Suffering, times of trial, times of temptation, those are an opportunity to either turn away from God or press in toward God. Job 13, 15. 
says about God, Job says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. You know, I think uh, in today's day and age, just with the busyness of life, with hardships, it can, it can be so easy to be apathetic. And really, I think the, the Bible's word for apathy is a hard heart. And so oftentimes we're, we're trusting God for a soft heart. But what Job 23.16 says, For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. You know what actually softens our heart? It's going through a hard time. It's suffering. It's affliction. You know, it's, it's not affliction for affliction's sake, though. And that's what we're going to see. So, affliction should drive us to place our confidence in God. Okay, and then continuing in, in Psalm 88, we... We see more questions in verse 14. Oh, I don't know where 14 went. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Lord, why castest thou off... Ah, oh, there it is. Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? And then we see his cry and complaint to end the psalm. He says, uh, I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily like water. They compassed me about together. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me, and mine acquaintance into darkness. So I don't know if you noticed something, but before the confidence, before verse 13, um, each of these sections, the questions, the cry and complaint, they took up their own slide. There was, there was a lot of crying and complaining. There was a lot of complaint. But after the psalmist expresses his confidence, his faith in God, the questions are half of what they used to be. Actually, I think they're a third. I think there are six questions prior. Now there's two. The the crying, the complaining, previously took up nine verses. Now it's just four. And there's, there's something to that. Is once, once we actually pray and we meet with Christ, we meet with the Lord in the midst of our suffering, it makes our affliction light. Paul says, man, all these afflictions, they're just light ones. So key point four, confidence in God will make our afflictions light. Man, to know that I'm only on this earth for a season, whatever it is I'm going through, it's only for a little bit. And then I get to go home. Confidence in God will make our afflictions light. 2 Corinthians 4.17 for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God's doing something in your life. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. 
says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. You know how you humble yourself before the Lord? It's verse 7. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. That's how we humble ourselves. God will use these, these trials, this time of suffering and affliction, to soften our heart, and we can choose we can choose to either harden our heart and turn away from God or, or soften our heart and turn toward God and cast all that care on Him because He cares for us. But let's, let's ask ourselves real quick, how? Like, how in the world does prayer, how in the world does asking myself hard questions and, and pleading with God, placing my confidence in Him, how could that possibly make what I'm going through any better? Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And it's in this time of suffering, this time of affliction, that when we meet with God, we're reminded that He suffered. And I couldn't help, as I, as I meditated on this psalm, and I looked back over it again and again, that this whole psalm is such a perfect picture of Christ and His suffering. If you guys just want to follow along, I'm going to have a ton of cross-references. Don't... Uh, Man, I can share my notes with you, but I want you to just listen to this. Uh, read along in Psalm 88, verse 1. He says, I have cried day and night before thee. Jesus' prayer in the night was, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And in the day he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus cried day and night. Verse 3, Jesus uh, we see a perfect picture of Jesus here. He says, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. Jesus experienced troubles on this earth. He was troubled. The Bible says that he was troubled at the news of Lazarus' death. He was troubled in spirit when he considered that there was going to be a disciple. One of his friends would betray him. And he sweat drops of blood in light of his crucifixion. Verse 4 says, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. Verse 7 says, Thy wrath lieth hard upon me. Jesus made his grave with the wicked and was numbered with the transgressors. God's wrath over our sins was poured out on him on the cross. We see that in Isaiah 53. Verse 8 says, Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me. When Jesus went to the cross, Luke 23, 49 says that all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off. Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered for our sins. For my sins. And you know, it's a really incredible thing that you read through this psalm and all, all six of those questions give a resounding no. 
right? But when you read each of those questions in the context of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you know what the answer to those questions is? It's yes. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Verse 10. Jesus showed wonders to the dead when he preached to them from Abraham's bosom. Shall the dead arise and praise thee? The dead literally rose with Jesus, just as we will rise with Jesus and praise him for all of eternity. Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? Jesus' love was declared in the grave. His very grave was a declaration of his love. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. Verse 11, uh, or thy faithfulness in destruction. Jesus' faithfulness to us was declared in the destruction of his body on the cross. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Man, Jesus' wounds are faithful. He'll never let you down. Verse 12, shall thy wonders be known in the dark? Jesus entered this dark world to be its light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We see that in John 1, verses 4 through 5, John 3, 19. Psalm 88, 12 says, and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness. See, Jesus, the creator of all things, entered into a world that chose to forget him entered into his nation that had completely forgotten his own heart and ministered to his disciples after they had forgotten that he told him, he told them he was going to rise from the dead. (laughs) And Jesus is, is there having fellowship with them after his resurrection. And lastly, we see that this, this confidence that the psalmist displays in verse 13 of Psalm 88 But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Jesus' cry in the garden that nevertheless God's will be done gave the world a resounding yes when he rose from the dead the morning of the third day. See, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says that all of the promises of God in Jesus Christ, they're yes. And in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So key point five. Confidence in God in the midst of affliction will bring us into fellowship with Christ. Confidence in God in the midst of affliction will bring us into fellowship with Christ. If we, if we let Him. Right? Philippians 3.10, Paul says that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. There is no fellowship without suffering. I think about Acts 5.41 Uh, And they, the the disciples, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer 
shame for his name. So I want to ask, do you know this Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth. The one who suffered like you and I suffer. Have you ever called on him? All of our suffering today stems from one thing. It's sin. Adam started it, but you and I, we're complicit in it. I chose to sin. I chose separation from God, just like Adam did. So, man, confess. Confess your guilt to Him. Call on His name. He is Lord. Right? Regardless of whether you believe that or not, Jesus Christ is Lord. The question is, is He your Lord? Romans 10.9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so, man, maybe, maybe you do know Christ. But are you in some kind of trial today? Has a sin overtaken you? Is there some kind of struggle in your life? Cry out in confidence that God hears you. Be honest with God. I believe that, man, oftentimes our prayers are only as effective as they are honest. I think sometimes we just, we don't actually pour out our soul before the Lord. And so, man, I, I pray God uses Psalm 88 in your guys' life uh, the way he's used it in mine. Uh, I think we're going to have a, a time of, of prayer and, and fellowship. Um, so I'll, I'll hand it over to James.